Galatians 2.20 tells us this, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Amen, that's good news. Because of the finished work of Jesus Christ and our faith in it, we can consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God this morning. Let's sing it out. Be my life, oh, I surrender. One day is better with you than all the world. Oh, spirit of life, help me remember. It is my pleasure to say to you, all I am, my life.
tonight. God did not give you your spouse to be the toilsome labor under the sun. He didn't give you your spouse to be the grind of life. He gave you your spouse to go through the grind with. As I work with couples in counseling and coaching, I have to remind them all the time, your marriage has an enemy. Make no mistake. It's just not your spouse. Your spouse is your companion through the grind. If you want to experience high levels of marital satisfaction, never treat your spouse like the source of life. Never treat your spouse like the enemy. Always look to your spouse as the companion. Well, hey, good morning, Fellowship family. I'm so glad that you guys have chosen to worship with us this morning. If you're new here, I want to say welcome. Uh, we'd love to get, you, to get to know you guys uh, out in the foyer, so find us after. Sam, we've got some exciting things happening in our body. What's going on? Yeah, as you just heard, hey, we've got a marriage enrichment time scheduled for next Sunday. So at 3.30 p.m. right in here, we're going to have a steroid shot for marital health. And so if you've got marriage completely figured out, this is not for you. Stay at home and just chill. But... If you struggle just a little bit, if every once in a while you think, you know what, I don't even like my spouse, then come here at 3.30 next Sunday, and we've got a great speaker, we've got a great testimony, and this is all sponsored by our Reengage ministry, which is here to help us have healthier marriages. Hey, another thing I wanna let you know about is that this Wednesday, November 1st, we're actually starting a new support group sponsored by our care ministry here at Fellowship. So if you're a parent of a, a teenager or a college student or a young adult, or if you're the parent of an adult who's wavered in their faith, or maybe they've deconstructed their faith, walked away from their faith, and you'd love for someone to pray with you and to encourage you, then our Parents of Prodigals support group is for you. And so you can sign up for that online. It does begin this week. You guys have got some great things going on yeah. in family ministry as well. That's right. Yeah, it's the heartbeat of our elementary ministry to help families own the spiritual development of the next generation. And so next Sunday, we're partnering with the FSM team to host a parent training on how to, how to navigate anxiety and depression with your child. Uh, we're not the experts, but we have some really awesome people coming in to give some wisdom and experience in, in helping you guys, parents, uh, navigate that with your children. That's going to be in the family center right across the hallway. We're going to have two, two of those. Uh, sixth through eighth grade parents are encouraged to go to the 9 o'clock, and then turn, 1030 will be for uh, ninth through 12th grade parents. Uh, so why am I holding this box? Uh, well, it's time of year for Operation Christmas Child. Uh, this is a really great opportunity for you guys, for your kids, maybe to show your grandkids uh, what it means to live missionally and to show them what it means to, to uh, show and live generously. And so we have these boxes out in the foyer, and I'd encourage you to grab one. Uh, you're going to fill them up with toys, uh, school supplies, personal uh, care items, and you're going to bring them back in around three weeks on, by November 19th. So I got three weeks to do it, Sam. Yeah, those boxes will be shipped around the world, and there'll be a Christmas present for kids who maybe don't get to celebrate Christmas. And then it's also an awesome opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus with them. And so join with us in that fellowship. You always do. Today's the day. Pick up your boxes on the way out. All right. I have an exciting announcement. In June of 2024, we're going to be doing some significant capital improvements to the Fellowship Rogers campus. Did you know that our family center, which was originally our worship center, is over 30 years old? 
And did you know that the room you sit in now is over 24 years old? Maybe not because our buildings and grounds team does such a great job of keeping it up and running. But in June of 24, we're going to bring the Rogers campus up to speed. And so I've got some pictures here of what it'll look like. We're going to do some significant improvements in here to enhance our experience and in the foyer. And then we'll take the family center and, and remodel it to turn it into a space that really functions for the way we're doing ministry currently. So Fellowship Rogers, it's time. Uh, for the last 10 years, our generosity has helped fund and fully paid off uh, the Fellowship Fayetteville campus and the Fellowship Bentonville campus, and it's time for Store One to get some improvements. Is that exciting or what? Come on. We're so excited. It's going to be beautiful, and so I would just like to ask you to join us. I think the best way for us to get this project done is just to add a reoccurring gift to your monthly giving and keep it going until we pay it off. And we'll ask those campuses to join us as well. It's going to be beautiful. Hey, I thought this morning the best way to continue in our worship would be to pray because we got a lot going on in our world. So would you, would you pray with me? Lord, we pray for Israel and Palestine for the Gaza Strip, for the West Bank. We continue to pray for peace, and Lord, we pray for mercy. Lord, we pray for the Ukraine. We continue to pray for peace and mercy there as well. Lord, we pray for those in Acapulco who experienced a tragedy this week in the form of a hurricane, and they're hurting. And we pray for those in Maine whose hearts are broken because of another senseless mass shooting. Lord, we live in a broken world full of broken people like us. And we need the hope of your son, Jesus. So today we gather to proclaim the promises of God. Lord, your scriptures say that you will fulfill every one of them. So Lord, we ask that this morning you would give us hope and peace. It's in the name of Jesus we pray.
faithfulness, oh God, amen. Not in our faithfulness, but in his faithfulness. I will rest in your promise. We say that our confidence, it's your faithfulness, is your faithfulness. I will rest in this, in your promise, in my confidence, it's your faithfulness. Would you stand and sing that with us? I will. I will rest in your promise. In your promises, my confidence. We sing it's in your faithfulness. In your faithfulness, I will rest in your promises, my confidence. In your
clap for that. Amen. Hey, you may take a seat. I want to let you know I had a sweet moment with my family this last week. Uh, We were out. It was a perfect fall afternoon. Leaves were falling. Birds were singing. John Mayer was playing in the background. We were in the cul-de-sac of our neighborhood, and my oldest daughter and my son learned to ride their bike without their training wheels, which means, yeah, Hey, if we clap for that, we can clap for the goodness of God, okay? Just keep that in mind. But it was a great day for many reasons. One, they have so much fun ahead of them. Two, my lower back is forever relieved of the pain of, this is hard to do. And to walk like this for 45 minutes is tough. I'm getting older. I'm feeling it. But they learned how to ride their bike, and it was a beautiful moment. Before we started, though, my daughter needed a little bit of encouragement, and so I remember looking at her as she's sitting in the cul-de-sac on top of her bike seat, and so I bend down, and I grab the handlebars, and I'm looking at her, and she kind of looks at me, and she goes, "Uh, I'm not sure, and I go, no, you can do this, girl. You got this, and so she looks at me, and she goes, Dad, how can I? I am going to fall, and she is our practical thinker. She goes, I'm going to fall over, and I went, no, you're not. I'm, I'm right here. I got you. I'm literally walking right beside you. I will catch you. I'm watching you. There's not a chance that you fall down. You ready to do this? And she goes, I don't know. I'm just worried about the day I do fall. And so I'm thinking, all right, this is either a chance for me to lie to my daughter and tell her that won't happen or I can choose truth, which I did. And so I looked her in the eyes and I said, you're right. You are going to fall. That, that's going to happen. You're gonna fall at some point in your life and it might hurt bad, it might hurt not that bad, I don't know. But you won't always fall. 
And there's gonna be a day where you learn to ride your bike and it will be so much fun and you can see this little bit of light in her eyes and she looks at me and she goes, dad, is it worth it? Is it worth it? And I'm like, yes, it's worth it. You're gonna have a bike gang. You're gonna run the streets of Springdale. Get on your bike, let's roll, girl. And so I look back, I give her a push and she just starts going left around the cul-de-sac for 30 minutes. She did it. We can't go right, but we can go left. And I'm watching her as she learned to ride her bike and I start thinking about my childhood and I remember riding a bike. I remember being at Stockstill Park by Skaggs Hospital in Branson, Missouri, taking my training wheels off and I was ready to roll. And so as I'm watching my kids go around on their bike, I'm remembering my childhood when I learned to ride ride this bike and then I just start thinking about life growing up in general. And I've shared my story before. Some of you know that I came to know the Lord at a young age. I professed faith in Jesus. I knew that he was my Lord and Savior, and I walked with him when I was younger. I just remember always believing in God. But as some of you know, I also felt the harshness of this world in a really deep way. Not only did I recognize my own sin and a need for a Savior in that way, but I also felt the sinfulness of others as For the years of my adolescence, I was sexually abused by somebody else. And in in those years, I remember asking a lot of questions. I never asked God, are you real? I don't know why. I didn't ask God, do you exist? And it was probably because the questions that I were asking were more filled with anger or, or maybe sadness just coming out sideways a little bit. But I remember asking the question, God, why would I keep walking with you? Why should I continue going? And how could I? It's almost similar to the question that my daughter's asking when she goes, is it even worth it? Is it? You see, as I'm looking at the passage that we're going over today, Philippians 3, as I'm reading through them, I actually was reminded of the answer to those questions that I was asking. Why should we keep going? Why should we press on? So if you've got your Bible, open up Philippians 3. We'll be in verses 12 through 16. I'll have the verses up here if you don't have it. If you've got your notebook, you can jump in there. But Paul's writing in the, cha- in the third chapter of Philippians, and he says this. Not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I don't consider that I've made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to that what we have attained. You see, Paul begins writing in this section, and he starts off saying something. He says, look, I haven't already obtained this. I'm not already perfect. And when we read that first part of this 12th verse, we kind of ask the question, what is this that he's talking about? What has he not already obtained? And what does it mean to not already be perfect? And to put it in, in the simplest form, what Paul is speaking of when he talks about not obtaining this or already being perfect is what we would call glorification, Glorification is a term that we use theologically to speak about God coming back, 
God making everything new, God redeeming all of creation. It's the final culmination of the redemptive narrative of our God. That's what glorification speaks of. It's actually what John's gonna talk about next week, that just as Jesus died and rose to new life and was given a glorious body, we too will die one day, but be resurrected and given glorious bodies. Glorification speaks of the end goal, that God will renew everything. And it's in glorification that we actually find freedom from the penalty, or sorry, from the presence of sin. That as God comes back, there will be no presence of sin the new heavens, the new earth that we get to walk in and and glorify God in, it won't be diminished. Creation won't be diminished by a fallenness, a, a sinfulness. No, it'll actually be just as God intended it to. Our relationships with one another won't be hindered by sin because sin won't be there. There won't be any pain. There won't be any tears. There won't be any hurt. Glorification speaks of a freedom from the presence of sin. And that's exactly what Paul says that he hasn't yet obtained. He hasn't already obtained that. He hasn't been perfected. But he says, I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. And so Paul uses this play on words with made my own, he made me his own. But when Paul says that Christ has made him his own, what he's talking about here is justification. And justification is the term that we use to describe Jesus' saving work on the cross. It's what Jesus did for us on the cross. Justification is the idea that we're all sinners, that we all are sinful. The, The scriptures actually say that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that we've made mistakes and turned wayward away from our God, that he intended us for something And we said, no, we'll go a different way. But it doesn't just say that we've sinned and fallen short. It also says that there's a penalty due because of our sinfulness. The scriptures actually say that the wages of sin is death. That because of our sinfulness, our waywardness, our rejection of the creator who made us, we're actually earning and due death. And I don't say that because here at Fellowship, we're a hellfire and brimstone church. I, I, I tell you that because we're actually enamored with the grace of God. Because the story doesn't end with the wages of sin being death, it ends with Jesus actually taking on that death, that Jesus was God. He's the only suitable sacrifice. And yet as the man, he lived perfect without sin. He's the only perfect sacrifice. And the death that I deserve because of my sins, Jesus bore for me in his death. I walk free because Jesus took the penalty. That's what justification is. It's the idea that Jesus has justified us. It's just as if I'd never sinned. It's what Sam talked about last week. It's a little scandalous because it has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with what I can do. It's all about what Jesus did. And it's in justification that we find freedom from the penalty of our sins. That I'm no longer due death. The wages of my sin is not my death, it was Jesus's as I accept his sacrifice. I'm I'm free from the penalty of my sins. It's between these two realities that Paul says that he's pressing on. He says, I haven't already obtained glorification, but I press on towards it because I've been justified by Jesus. And this idea of pressing on 
He'll say later, straining forward, striving towards. That idea speaks of sanctification. Sanctification is a process that's done unto us. It's the process of being made holy. I I like to call it the process of being made like God, by God, specifically in this life. It's a process that is done unto us, that after we're justified by Jesus, we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is crafting us more and more into the likeness of Christ. But you see, we have a part to play in that. Justification isn't just something done unto us, it's something that we walk with God in, because we can stiff arm it. We can reject that process. We can turn away from the God sancti- our God's sanctifying work in our life. And so the part that we have to play is to walk with Jesus. And the way that we do that can, can, can come out in a variety of different avenues. One of them would be spiritual disciplines. We talked about that this summer. Things like prayer, fasting, silence, solitude, community, meditation, worship. All of those things are spiritual disciplines. They're tools that God has given us. And as we use those tools, he cultivates the fruit within us. He sanctifies us. You see, it's in sanctification that we find freedom from the power of sin within our life. It's almost as if God is scraping off the the scales of sin in our life in this process. And he's giving us newness. He's making us anew that we might choose him over ourselves. We might choose him over the world. We might choose him over sin. And you see, it's all of these things, justification, sanctification, glorification, all of those are included in God's salvation plan for us. God wants to justify us. He wants to sanctify us. He wants to glorify us. He wants to free us from the penalty of our sin and the power of our sin and the presence of sin. He wants to offer all of that to us. It would, be, it would be unwise for us to minimize salvation to just one aspect rather than understanding God has a bigger plan for us that includes so much more than just forgiveness. Forgiveness is great, necessary, important, but he also wants to rehabilitate us to be like he intended us to be free from the power of sin, and he wants to glorify us, that we too might be just like Jesus was after his resurrection. And so what I want to do is I actually want to give you a chance to respond to these. Because I think there are some of us in here who maybe haven't responded to any of them. I think there's some of us in here who have never actually accepted the justifying work of Jesus. That, that, that we think for a variety of reasons that we're okay, that we're not in need of forgiveness. Or maybe we've bought into the idea that the, the way that we're free from the penalty of our sin is to work really hard to fight the power of sin today. That's not how you find justification. The way that we're freed from the penalty of our sin is to accept what Jesus did. The scriptures say to confess with our mouth and to believe in our heart, to repent of our sins and to believe that Jesus is Lord. And so for whatever reason, if, if you've never actually accepted the justifying work of Jesus, I, I just want to give you a chance to do that this morning, to repent and to believe. And I think the way that we might do that is for you to just pray with me. I'm going to pray a prayer, and if you've never done that, would you pray with me if you have? 
Would you pray for the people right now who haven't? In the quiet of your heart, right there in your seat, would you bow your head, would you pray with me? Father, I admit that I'm sinful, that I've gone wayward, that I haven't lived as I was intended to. But Jesus, I also believe that you did. I believe that you were the perfect sacrifice in my place, that you lived the way I couldn't, and you died the death I deserve. And so, Lord, I repent of my sins. I offer them to you, and I accept your forgiveness. Jesus, thank you for giving me new life just as you gave yours. I pray these things in your name, amen. You see, if you just prayed that prayer for the first time, the beautiful thing is you've been forgiven. You've been justified for your sins, but that isn't where the Lord wants you to stop. No, he's got so many more plans for you. He wants you to begin fighting the power of sin in this life with him. In fact, I think there's a lot of us in here who probably have been justified for our sins, but we've been stiff-arming this thing called sanctification for so long. We say things like, oh yeah, I prayed a prayer when I was younger, but then we've never actually moved away from that lifestyle. We've never actually moved away from the habits or the lifestyle that we did live. We've been justified, but we've never walked with the Lord in sanctification. There's some of us who think it's all about forgiveness and don't realize that the Lord wants to rehabilitate us too. And so if that's you, if you've been choosing to neglect a current relationship with the Lord because you, you, you prayed a prayer in the past, I, I'm gonna invite you to pray a prayer this morning with me too. And it's a scary prayer, but it's a brave one. It's a prayer where we actually are asking for the courage to walk with God in this process called sanctification. We're praying for the, the courage to leave our old ways behind and walk with the new resurrected king today. If that's you, would you pray with me? Father, would you, would you give me the courage to do what you've created me to do, which is to live with you, Lord? I recognize that I've made mistakes. I recognize that you've forgiven me for those, but Jesus, I also recognize that I need your help every single day. Lord, I know that your word says that you oppose the proud, that you give grace to the humble. So Jesus, this morning, would you humble me? Would you put me before your throne that I might recognize who you are and who I am and in response follow deeply after you? Change my life. Change my heart. I pray these things in your name. Amen. It's a beautiful thing to walk with the Lord in this life. It's hard. And a lot of times the hard things in this life actually begin to leave us questioning just like I was. Why is it worth it? Why is it even worth it? You know, I think there's a lot of us who know tragedy. We've lost loved ones, maybe even loved ones too soon. We've been hurt in relationships. We're uncertain of where this world is going. We just don't know what to do. And all of a sudden, we feel hopeless. We feel clogged up. We feel stuck. If you're someone who knows the hurt and pain of this world, I want to pray one more time, and I want, you to, I want to invite you to pray this with me. It's a prayer asking for hope the hope of the coming glory. Father, we pray right now for all of those who have been hurt, who have hangups, who, who have felt tragedy in their life. Jesus, would you instill us with a hope, a hope that isn't rooted in our circumstances, but a hope that's rooted in a sure future, a hope that comes from recognizing that you won't let this world stay how it is, that you have something better and bigger planned for us. 
reinvigorate our souls, Lord, that we might find peace in your presence as we walk with you today towards eternity. We pray these things in your name, amen. You see, it's all three of these ideas, sanctification, justification, sanctification, and glorification that Paul includes in this first verse, verse 12, when he says, I haven't already obtained it. I'm pressing on towards it because Jesus has made it possible. And so he goes on in verse 13, and he says, brothers, I don't consider that I've made it my own. Paul's repetitive, and he's not afraid of it. So he just says his point again. Look, I haven't already obtained glory. But one thing I do consider, he says, forgetting what lies behind. And here, I... I don't think that Paul is actually saying that he has no recollection of his past. I don't think that he's actually saying, I can't remember who I used to be. But what he's saying is he's left his old ways behind. That he's no longer defined by his past, but that he's defined by Jesus' past. That he gets to leave his sinfulness at the foot of the cross walking forward. You see, when Paul says, brothers, I don't consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, he's saying, Look, I haven't found freedom from the presence of sin, but I have found freedom from the penalty of sin. And in light of those truths, I strain forward towards what lies ahead. And he uses this word straining, which is important because it helps us see that this is work, that walking with the Lord, pressing on in this process called sanctification in this life, that it is tough. It's good. Hear me out. It is so worth it. Walk with Jesus every day of your life. It's where peace is found. It's where contentment is found. It's where satisfaction is found. It's what you were created for, but it's difficult. And yet that's what he does. He strains in that process called sanctification. He's working towards that coming reality. You see, Paul in this moment is saying that he lives between two truths, the truth of justification and the truth of glorification. He's living between the reality that he's freed from the penalty of his sin. He will be freed from the presence of his sin. And so when straining, when he says, I'm straining, he's saying he's choosing to live those realities out today. He's choosing to live out those two realities today. That I've been forgiven of my sins and sins will be eradicated, so today I'm gonna fight against sin. I've been forgiven of my pride and one day pride will be stripped of me. So today I'm gonna fight against pride. I've been forgiven of my selfishness. Selfishness will be stripped away and not even a thought. So today I'm gonna live unselfishly. Paul's living between the two truths and he says, I'm straining to live them both as realities today. So much so that he says, I press on towards the goal of the prize of that upward call of God in Christ. And this goal that he's pressing on towards, we know what it is, repetitive Paul. It's glorification. It's the end goal. It's the coming reality of all redemption. But what is this prize? Because he says, I'm, I, I, I'm walking towards that, that goal, and, and at that goal, there's a prize for me. And this is what I think is so beautiful, is that for Paul, the prize is a relationship with Jesus. As we read all of Philippians, it becomes very clear that the prize for Paul is an unhindered relationship with Jesus, unhindered from the penalty or the power or the presence of sin. It's a depth of relationship unheard of, which is amazing because what Paul is saying is that Jesus is not a means to an end. 
For Paul, Jesus is not a ticket to heaven. He's not a means to heaven. Jesus is the point of heaven. For Paul, Jesus is the means and the end. He's the thing that enables a relationship. He is the relationship, and he's what emboldens the relationship. And that's what he's talking about in in, in 12 through 14. Paul's talking about pressing on, straining forward in this life, in this process called sanctification. And yet when he's talking about it, what I think he's saying is that he's actually enabled to do so by Jesus, and he's emboldened to do so by Jesus. What I mean is that he's actually saying it's justification that enables him to walk in his sanctification. The only reason that Paul or we can have a relationship with Jesus right now, with God right now, is because of what Jesus did on the cross. The only way we're enabled to walk with this God or with God in this life is because of what our God did. You want to know how we press on? It's by the power of God. And not just any God, the God who conquered death. But not only are we enabled to walk in this process, we're emboldened to as well. Why should we keep going when it's hard? Well, we should keep walking towards a reality that's coming that is much better than this. We, we continue walking because we're emboldened by the hope that is sure and certain waiting for us. You wanna know why we press on? It's because of the hope of God. And that's kind of like the question my daughter asked. Dad, is it worth it? I know I'm gonna fall, but is it worth it? Is there a better day coming? And the answer is yes. Sweetie, there's a day coming where you will not fall anymore and you will ride your bike and it will be amazing. It's totally worth it. Keep going, keep trying. And I actually think it's the same answer that I got when I asked my questions. In the midst of my abuse and my hurt and everything, when I asked God, why would I keep going? Why should I keep walking with you? The answer that I got is because there's a better day coming. There's a day when it won't hurt anymore. There's a day when the shame will be gone, when the embarrassment will leave. There's a day when glory comes. There's a day when peace is real. There's a day when all relationships are healed. Caleb, there's a day when it won't hurt anymore. And that's true for all of us, that there's a glory coming for all of us. There's a day that is better. You see, we're emboldened to walk with our God today because there's a day that is far better We're emboldened to walk with our God today because he's not gonna let this place stay how it is. Just like he didn't let us stay how we were when he justified us on the cross. You see, we can press on in this thing called sanctification because of what Jesus did and because of what Jesus will do. And that's what he says. He goes, look, let those of us who are mature, it's a play on word with his first line saying complete. He says, let those of us who are moving towards completion, moving towards glory, think this way. He says, live this way. Press on with the courage of the cross and with the hope of heaven. And look, if you don't think this way, the Lord will reveal it to you. But in all things, look at, the, look, look at verse 16. Let us hold true to what we have attained. He says, press on knowing you're enabled by justification, knowing you're emboldened by glorification, but hold true to that which you already have. 
Stand in the power of a resurrected Christ. Fight in this life against sin and wait for the beauty that is to come. You see, I ultimately think if we were to take 12 through 16, try and summarize it to understand what Paul is saying, what he's writing is that we as people get to press on in this process called sanctification. But we get to press on in this life in the power of Christ and with the hope of Christ. We get to press on fighting against the power of sin in our life, not by our own means, because that never works. For as long in my life as I've tried to overcome my own sin by myself, it's never worked. Just like trying to justify myself by trying to sanctify myself doesn't work. The only way that we can press on is by the power of Christ, and guess what? That's a beautiful thing because the power of Christ has already conquered the grave, It's what makes you more than a conqueror. It's what can't be stopped. And it's what comes with a certain future. You see, not only do we press on in this power, but we press on with a hope. A hope that something better is coming. A hope that this world isn't how it's going to be. When you ask that question, why should I keep going? The answer is because he's bringing about something new. We get to walk through sanctification and the power of Jesus and with the hope of Jesus. So I'm gonna invite the band to come back out. And as we do, I'm I'm gonna pray for us one more time that we would walk in this. Well, Jesus, we come to you acknowledging that you're the God who conquered death, that you're the God who rose to new life, that you're the God who can't be stopped. And so, Lord, as we acknowledge that, we say thank you for it. Would it be your power, your spirit that walks in us? We can't change ourselves. You're the one who changes us. So give us the strength to rely on you. Lord, we also pray for a hope, a hope that would come from knowing what it is that you're bringing about. Fill us with that hope that even in hardship, we'd have joy, that even in turmoil, we'd find peace, a hope that comes from your presence and that's rooted in your power. We pray these things in your name, amen.
see, on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and he broke it. You can find the bread under the first cup. He broke it. And he said, this is my body. It's broken for you. Take, eat, do this in remembrance of me. And later in the meal, he took the cup and he poured it out and he said, look, this is the blood of the new covenant. It's spilled for the forgiveness of sins. Take, drink. You see, when we take communion, we remember that which our Savior did for us. We remember the fact that it was his body that hung on a cross. It was his blood that was spilled on our behalf. We remember the justifying work of Jesus, that we've been freed from the penalty of our sins because of what he did. But in communion, we don't just look to the past. We also look towards what's coming because if Jesus rose from the dead after conquering the grave, then surely he'll come back. We don't just remember that we've been freed from the penalty of our sins in communion. We also celebrate the fact that one day we'll be freed from the presence of our sins, that there's a sure future that awaits us. If you've ever felt stuck, if you've ever felt trapped, guess what? You're never stuck or trapped alone. And you're never stuck or trapped forever because Jesus is coming back. That's what we celebrate. That's what we remember. That God took our sins. We give them to him. And that he'll free us from them. We wait for that day as we fight for it now. You see, the beauty is Jesus didn't fail when he was on the cross. And he will not fail to come back. Which means we can walk with him in confidence today knowing that he won't fail now. Christ is my firm foundation He's the
news church everything that Jesus has established not only for our past our present and our future will stand firm amen no matter what life's throwing at us no matter how planet earth seems to be trying to grind us to powder because of Jesus because we've been placed into Jesus we are always being built up in him amen and our confidence in this is in his faithfulness so as you leave today remember that our confidence in his faith is in his faithfulness he's a good God uh, Ryan Thornton is in the prayer room over here so if you would like to pray with somebody actually Alex Bush is gonna be over there today as well you going over there so Alex Bush and Ryan Thornton will be over here in the prayer room. If you want prayer today, take advantage of that. If not, we'll see you next week. Have a good week. Bye-bye.